0: This is Consumed, the podcast about eaters, drinkers, thinkers, and makers. And this season, you get two for the price of one. I'm Jamie Lewis. And I'm Matt Cross,
1: and this is my Consumed podcast tap takeover.
0: Woohoo! Okay, now, Matt, what qualifies you to take over this podcast?
1: Well, I eat, drink, think, and now make. Uh Uh-huh. Plus, I was a guest on Consumed for season five.
0: Yes, that's right. Go back and listen to the Matt Cross episode. I will put it in the show notes.
1: Plus, I own the Broad Street Public House in San Luis Obispo, Mm -hmm. and I know everybody on the Central Coast because I've been a local musician for decades. I've probably played for at least half of your listeners' weddings.
0: Yes, these are all very good reasons. I'm just now remembering why this was okay with me. (laughs) So, listener, with the tap takeover, I asked Matt to choose every guest— And to join me for a chat as we get to know these guests better.
1: These are people I've met over the years and thought they'd be good for an interesting conversation.
0: And you were not wrong, my friend.
1: I was not wrong. Shall we get into it?
0: Yes, let's do it. This is Consumed. Six years ago, I met a chef who told me about how he foraged for acorns to make bread, pancakes, and even distilled spirits. He completely captured my interest from the first conversation, and I followed up to do a story on him for Life and Time magazine. In the process, I learned so, so much more about Chef Eric Olson, and I got the impression his repository of stories was bottomless. Today, he owns Central Coast Distillery, where he makes a line of single batch spirits aptly named Forager. This includes award-winning agave spirits, rum, gin, and more. Matt Cross wanted to meet Eric because he sounded fascinating, and he did not disappoint. Listen to stories about working in hotels during the 1992 L.A. riots, marrying the HR manager, and hanging up on someone who was trying to give him a double gold medal for his forager rum. Here's Matt Cross and me in conversation with Chef Eric Olson. Chef Eric Olson, thanks for coming down to SLOW and chatting it up with us. My pleasure. Yeah. So, um... I did a story on you for Life & Time magazine several years ago. I was telling Matt earlier that I was working for the PR firm that was handling Allegretto Vineyard Resort in Paso Robles. And so that's how I met you is I was tasked with writing all about the resort and definitely about you and the restaurant there. And I think you told – I had to interview you about something. You told me just a couple little things about your life. And I was like, this man is crazy. This guy has so much – Just bizarre, you know, different angles in his life, different stories. And so I thought, well, I'm going to pitch a story to Life and Time about you. And they bit. And it was so fun. I got to go out foraging with you in Paso and Cambria. And we took Jen Olson along to do photos. And I learned some very interesting things about you. So if it's okay, we'll just start with your mom. Okay. Okay, so your mom was on TV. Mm -hmm. Can you explain that a little bit?
2: So she was the first chef on TV out of Sacramento with PG&E. She was a model and a home economist. And she got on there and started teaching cooking. Just to the locals.
1: Like pre Julia Child?
2: Well, I think, you know, as a boy, I, I wouldn't I would think I knew about Julia Child, but uh-huh. my mom was on TV. I used to cut school, sit at home. We had a maid and we used to watch mom on TV oh, and she'd wow. come home with these fillets at night and I said, oh, this isn't too bad.
0: <laughs> Gosh, it's so fun. So, did you have any idea that you wanted to cook then?
2: Um, I loved food. I think that really started it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that you know, seeing all that and the music goes with it and everything else. I said, yeah, yeah I could see myself doing this.
0: Mm-hmm. Were you an only child? I can't remember.
2: No, I had a sister at the time, Jenny, and then I have um, a bunch of half brothers. Mm-hmm. And uh, when my dad had us all on a sailboat, it was his little army. <laughs>
0: yeah, it sounds like you came from some privilege there with with having. Um, a maid and a sailboat and all that? Am I I understanding that right? You nailed
2: it. You Mm. nailed it. It was rough. I had to drive a Mercedes to school and I complained the whole time. (laughs) I mean, who wants to be in a Mercedes when everybody's got Firebird, Camaro, right? I mean, come on. My friends loved it, but I didn't feel good with that box. Oh, that's so funny. Well,
0: but then you ended up in the Army. So was that kind of a reaction to that?
2: Um, The Army, I needed a little discipline somewhere along the line. So Mm -hmm. I think they, they really... You know, took care of that for me. But yeah, yeah I, I some people are noted as the biggest and the baddest in the army, and I was noted as the guy could cook. You know? no.
0: <laughs> uh, did you cook in the? I mean, like you were in the kitchen sometimes.
2: No, we used. To, um, it was a peacetime army. They called it um, an aggressor force, so they put me on an aggressor force to attack the army. They needed somebody attacking them. So oh. we'd be out hiding in different plains or deserts or mountains and, and then we'd come in and attack these different bases and no. that was our job. Right. And I used to cook when our off time for all the guys. And that was what I kind of did. We'd cook up different things and we have things in our backpacks and I'd pull them out and I'd say, hey, we're going to have this tonight and what about that? And I need somebody to run into town. And they say, you know we can't do that. I said, "I'm no excuses. Somebody's going to run into town and get the ingredients.
0: Yeah. No. That's so crazy. So you were your own force that would train basically train these the guys yeah
2: yeah those poor guys we had we had it pretty good yeah
0: that is awesome we
2: got too too efficient at it at a certain point so mm. yeah and then, and then they dismantled the whole thing and they sent me some other training wow
0: <laughs> did the army choose you or did you choose to be in the army
2: um i think it was back in the day where if you'd collected enough tickets with your motorcycles and racing and oh. all these other things you could go in the army as an avenue of hey. Let me out of here, and the judge would say he's gone. He's gone to the army. I don't know what they do now, but that was kind of that direction. I needed some discipline. I was starting. <laughs> needing to escape. Yeah. Was, <laughs> You're going to military school. <laughs> I was building up a few things that you know it was going in a direction. so yeah. They definitely said, "Hey, the army would be really good for you." They introduced me to, to a recruiter. We hit it off. He showed me all the pictures about being Superman. I said, "I'll do it." You know. <laughs> what what years were you in? Um, they always ask that. I want to say <laughs> eighty four. Okay. Yeah, and then I was in four years. It, it seems like so long ago. Yeah, well, it's,
1: it's, it's a while ago. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it was a long, long
2: time ago for me. But it was really good for me for the discipline. Mm. Traveled yeah. around the world, which I went back again. All those chef places, right, right? And I had some money from the army for education. I had the discipline. I understood cultures, and mm. um, we'd work with so many different armies and things like that. That I understood, you know, how you're supposed to act.
1: Right, right.
2: When you got to Thailand, they said you can go in the temple, but we'll cleanse you. If You misbehave, I knew what that meant. There was no doubt that. I, what does that mean? I, that means that don't misbehave in the, in the, in the priest's temple. You yeah. know?
0: That's so interesting. Yes, a worldly life. Did you travel before the army at all?
2: Not a lot, you mm-hmm. know, just like a regular California kid. I traveled the beach, you know, and yep. yeah, just stayed around home. Mm-hmm. But yeah, once I got in the army, it hit the world.
0: You know, it's occurring to me now another thing that you told me was about. I think an aunt and uncle or grandparents who were wild crafters, right?
2: Right. So um, Humboldt County, mm-hmm. we all know that now. Yeah. But prior to what they do now for a living, my family were the first druggists up there in the state right. of California. And they were the Fitzells. And there's some things on the internet about them. Mm-hmm. They were real Victorians. It's so almost hermit-like and a mm. little bit gothic. Mm-hmm. Mm. So um, I used to go up there hunting. And I had a big ranch, and they had legal stills so they could make alcohol, and then they would forage ingredients and put it in the alcohol and dispense it, and that was their medium.
0: Like tinctures and things like that? Yeah,
2: exactly. So that was my first revelation of foraging and then alcohol. Hmm. And there were some stills in that area that weren't so legal, too. Hmm. And, And I got... I guess, a sense for maybe I shouldn't be in this area yeah. when I was a young boy, you know. So that was kind of cool.
0: That is so cool. All yeah. the things that make up the trajectory of a life, you know, for sure your mom, for sure your family up in Humboldt, um, the Army, the way all these things build forward to, you know, who you are now, still kind of doing things just on the cusp of what's legal. <laughs> yeah, I, I think
2: you should. I
0: think you should always push it. I mean, I'm so uh. proud of
2: some of these people out there, some of the things they do, yeah. you know. Um, we we've, we have to challenge things, you know, mm-hmm. just because we're Americans. It's you know? yeah. our freedom. That's our right, you know. Yeah. And sometimes we have to recoup and say, Hey, maybe I shouldn't have challenged that. But mm-hmm. I do think, you know, that's what I like to do. I like to stay right on that edge. The frontier edge. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. Well, so outlaw. I, <laughs> an outlaw, I mean, Eric Olson, outlaw. Um,
0: I, I think a lot about how there's this high, like a high part of what you do, which is you were executive chef at Ohio Valley Inn and Spa at like the height of its just beauty and wonder and attraction. And you also have worked with convicts in your kitchens, and there's just this really great tension, I think, between the high and the low in your life. And um, I don't know, even what you're doing now, it feels like a balance with Forager and Central Coast Distilling. It feels like a balance between those two tensions. Would you agree with that?
2: Oh, definitely. I think when you're young as a chef it's kind of all about you you want to be i was the first chef to do cooking videos in all the major libraries and we got great ratings and i was in la and i was flying to san francisco and i was a president of chef's association i think it was all about me which is sad but that's what you do when you're young yeah. and then as you get a little older you think God, i don't want to leave this for a legacy mm-hmm. i want to work with these felons and get them jobs and mm-hmm. and show them that there's a better life out there for them so that's what i went for as a legacy mm-hmm. something people will remember me for and it's not bad to have a couple of these guys around to back you up yeah.
0: well, no, never bad have yeah. friends like
2: that bury a
1: body
0: friend yeah <laughs> body. i don't have any of those i need uh, eric you, you might me. be my barrier yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah right okay you got two yeah you got two thank you um tell me about the tell me about did you go to culinary school i can't remember you must have
2: i did i went to cca le cordon rouge le cordon bleu um, yeah, uh, School for American Chefs. I, I went to just about them all, And then I went to Italy and studied over there in Switzerland and France. So, so I went to most oh, wow. that I could get my hands on or have somebody pay for. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: What's a favorite part of all of that? What was a, a specific subject or method that you just really latched onto and loved?
2: Um, you know, I just loved it all. I loved um, the culture of each uh, community and how they do their food and how they, you know, became accustomed to that food and why they did that. And it was just really cool to understand it. Everything from, you know, recipes from past wars and the French and, Mm. um, you know, them losing the battle and having no food and cooking horses on their breastplates with the gunpowder for their seasoning all the way up to now with, you know, the movement of, you know, hey, do we really need to be doing all this with all these animals and everything else and going to the vegan one day a week or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. It's really cool just to see it all and be a part of it and kind of be that movement.
0: Yeah. And the history I, I identify with that for sure. Finding out about history through food is really compelling. It flushes out fleshes out the storyline so much more. When you think of it, like, I don't know anything about what you're talking about with eating the horses and the sprinkling of the gunpowder, <laughs> yeah. but I'm, I'm hooked uh-huh. now, you know? Yeah.
2: There's so many stories, you know, and they're just so fascinating you, when you see the people on their faces and the love that they put into it. I mean, you go to Mexico and work in an orphanage and, you know, that's all they have to work with and that's all they have to cook with. And some of the stuff they cook is just unreal, you know, mm. but it'll mm. never be made again because those ingredients in that pot and that person that made it, who was, you know, over a fire, just not going to happen again. Yeah. So those are lost, you know, there's yeah. lost arts, you know, it's like some of grandma's recipes, you just never get them.
1: That always seems to be the best where you go anywhere, someone's grandma, get someone's grandma mm-hmm. to cook for you and you get the best food you've ever had, you know, those recipes that have been handed down over time. And
2: Yeah, they really know how to do it. It's just amazing, you know. Um, I had an opportunity once to do a Syrian wedding and they brought grandma in to show me how to do the rolled grape leaves and I worked oh. with her and then we did those for the whole wedding. And then I went out with grandma and showed him, you know, that I'd work with her and this. Oh wow. And it was really cool the recipe. And and the secret ingredient was she put chicken wings underneath the Doma. The the wings were underneath and that was what kind of flavored these things. It was really cool that I well, I got the school recipe, got to work with her and you know, I got the whole hugs from the family. And just one of those things that, you know, you feel like, well, that was really part of life. Mm. You know, and Mm. I guess I could have been into whatever, but I chose cooking, and I feel like my heart and my soul has always been in there. Right,
0: right. How did you meet Anna, your wife Anna?
2: Anna, um, we were in L.A. and it was during the riots. I guess the first riots, or maybe the second riots. 1992? (laughs) Yeah, I think there was some bad stuff going on between two cultures or whatever, you know. But we were there just working at at a Hilton, and it got you know got a little where it was a combat environment Mm -hmm. and. Um, I felt like I had to keep everything going as the chef there. And to the owners, for the respect, um, they had moved me from another operation and paid my way and paid me a good salary. So I said, let's just keep this thing going. So I did some extraordinary things to keep the trucks coming and bringing produce and Mm -hmm. meats and delivering. And um, it got to a point where I felt like I should invite the police force in, and I invited them in. And next thing you know, they're bringing special weapons teams to the hotel. Now we're running 24-hour feeds for the police. The police are staying in the hotel. Um, so amongst all this, Anna's the human resource director, and I'm saying, hey— what if we had done this? What if we're doing this? And she said, I'd have to fire you. And I was like, but this is like a wartime condition. You know? There's got to be something in that you know, Hilton book that says during these times, you're allowed to do these yeah. things. She said, nope. I said, oh. I said, I better get to know her. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and you but, did. Yeah, get her on my good side. Yeah. Oh, that's and you've funny. worked together
0: ever since, I think, right? We have.
2: We have. We've worked at different properties. And there's been some times where I didn't work for her, but, you know, I'd bring the food truck over and save her because her kitchen's being remodeled and she mm-hmm. had a wedding on the book or whatever, you know, and she's saved me numerous times as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Is she a chef as well? No, she's oh. always general managers. Oh, okay. So she was. Uh, she's a badass. Yeah, she's a little, little general in her own right, but she works. Um, from the human resource standpoint with humans and and tries to get them to understand, you know, what her vision is. And there's really no um, coercion. With her management style, it's always, this is a team. We want to make you part of it. You're a real talent in these areas. This is where you'll exceed, And that's kind of how she works. Mm. Yeah. And then she's always let me, because food and beverage is just another operation. Right. And so she's always said, okay, you got it. I know you'll do a good job. I know you got my back. You know, I'll support you. So that's kind of how it's always been. You know, so it's been a good, uh, we're, we're together now at the distillery and, you know, yeah. she does all the compliance stuff. She does all oh, the branding stuff. I bet stuff. she's great at yeah, that. Yeah, like me, I brand everything under the sun, you know, and <laughs> take everything that comes in. And she's like, no, that's not us. And I'm like, why not? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she seems good at, I mean, she, I was going to say she seems good at rules. She seems good at working with rules. She's really, uh, she's a pretty remarkable woman. I remember working, when we were doing the PR writing for Allegretto, she was so available and so on top of things. Um, but you are so... Not that you're not on top of things, but you're very different. You are very different people. Um, you are like um, pretty loose and free feeling, and she's got it everything buttoned up. Yeah, she likes to keep it that way. And if I didn't have that, then you know we would probably cross over some
2: of those um, perceived boundaries. Mm-hmm. So... It's good that she's always checking. Hey, you realize you know where we're going with this? And I say, yeah, I think it will be all right. We we'll do yeah. a few more minutes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> tell me a little bit about the time that you spent in Oh. Well, it wasn't a short amount of time, but tell me about when you were at Ohio Valley Inn in Spa. What was it, what was it like getting that job?
2: It was a lot of pressure. I look back at it now. It's just. Um, when you're a chef and you're working at Ohi, and you have actors coming in, and the owners were wonderful people, but the expectations were so high. Yes. I mean, you know, you're, you may want to be here as a standard, and theirs is much higher. And it's really hard to keep a crew going during Christmas. And, you know, just a lot of pressure you're making... Uh, weddings for people, and that you know, you're selling them a chicken dinner, but they're $60 a plate. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm saying to myself, who's gonna say this was the best chicken? I just paid <laughs> 60 bucks, you know, so I'd have to change it to game hen. I mean, you just have yeah. to, or, or, you know, some kind of other thing where it was, you know, you felt like you could continue this thing. It was yes. a lot of pressure, a lot of different people. We had, um, you know, all the French tops and the outfits that we needed mm-hmm. um, to do all the work there, but.
0: That's a really nice ring. It's beautiful. It's I'm like sorry. Gentle, no, don't. It's completely fine. So you feel like you, there's this mounting. You have to top everything. You have to keep yeah, pushing, you had to, pushing.
2: It, 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 back in the day with chefing, there was a lot of young chefs, and we competed for each other's job, and we looked at the older chef and said, I'll take his job. Mm-hmm. So now it's not quite that. So, but that, back then, if I didn't perform, there was another chef that wanted my job, wanted my position, quick. They could have men. you know, very rapidly, so you always felt like you had to perform, and mm-hmm. which was good because it kept you sharp. If you have somebody chasing you mm-hmm. around the kitchen, keeping you young, keeping you, you know, on the sharp side, it worked real well. But um, I look back at it, it was a tough job. Um, it, it was one of those things where anything I did would reflect on my wife. Mm. And with, oh,
0: interesting. Yeah, well, of course, she was
2: a general manager. Right. And like with music or food, it's very critical. I mean, how you like your food or your music is much different than I possibly. Mm-hmm. So it's very can be very critical. So mm-hmm. um, there was a little bit of politics. There was a little bit of um, yeah. I've, I've really got to always be on the trends, the high level, always have the best performance. It was an act every night, though. It was like no days right. off. Right. So it was it was tough, but um, I had the right people around me. I had the support of the ownership beautiful venue beautiful yeah yeah Yeah.
0: and how long were you there
2: i was there four years and then i went to north ranch country club where will smith and heather lockwood and i had a guy who built the alaskan pipeline which was a good friend of mine Mm -hmm. i was there for about four years and my wife called me one day and said we just lost a chef you're going to be working here Oh wow! And I said, "No, I like it here. I want to stay. I get two days off a week. I love it. The members love me. They take care of me. Let me drive their cars. I don't want to go." And she says, "No, you'll be working here." So yeah, so the food and beverage director of Ojai called me in, and he basically told me in his broken French that um, anything that I did would reflect on my wife, and might you know affect his bonus, but it would affect my whole life.
0: He came right out with that. Yeah, pretty much. He wow. that's how we
2: started, me and him. That was our hmm. our first interaction of how he put my feet right on the fire.
0: If that were the case with either of our spouses? Yeah. Wow. I mean, yeah. <laughs> my,
2: my wife would never gamble her future
1: with no, my behavior. Same. Same. <laughs> our our marriage sound very similar, so yeah. 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 I, I definitely my life keeps me on the street and narrow, so. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I want to take a minute to shout out to a couple of good friends of this podcast. Consumed is sponsored by MidState Containers, cargo storage containers, and refrigerated shipping containers for sale and rent in California. You may not understand how MidState Containers could change your life, but the truth is many, many guests on the Consumed podcast use MidState for their projects. Containers can serve as wine storage units for case goods for private collections and even tasting rooms. They can be refrigerated storage containers for breweries, kegs, and fruit during harvest for wineries. Midstate Containers outfits coolers and freezers for ranchers, farmers market growers, orchards, and butchers. Containers can make great pop up coffee bars and berry containers for root sellers. My guest from season 10, Krista Flieger from Lonely Palm Ranch, uses her Midstate Container for an office on her property. Other ideas include school rooms, music and photography studios, and there are other things that can be grown, stored and processed in a MidState container. So use your imagination and get on their website to request a quote, MidStateContainers.com. Once more, I want to give love to a couple other podcast friends. Slow Food Co-op is your friendly neighborhood grocer, maintaining local, organic, and non-GMO standards. Slow Food Co-op sources from local producers, ensuring they offer their shoppers great food and household staples. With a mission to empower health and well-being in the community, they offer local produce, meats, low-to-no-waste foods, and wellness items. You can find Slow's only community-owned grocery store on their website at slowfood.coop and visit Slow Food Co-op in-store at 2494 Victoria Avenue in San Luis Obispo, California. When you left Ojai, is that when you came to um, Centrally Grown?
2: So um, I left Ojai and we went to uh, Pebble Beach.
0: Oh, okay. So Anna was
2: at Pebble Beach working in sales and kind of helping them.
0: See, you guys roll high. Oh,
2: yeah. We, we don't stick around too long. <laughs> <laughs> or, or we're on the run. or are other. you know. we got to get out of town. Let's move again. Um, but, yeah, we were at Pebble Beach working. Um, and then I went to Texas because we have some rental properties in Texas. Mm-hmm. And my wife says, see that chef school? And I say, I don't want to go in there. She says, why? I said, because they'll have me working. Mm-hmm. And she said, let's go in there. And the very following night I was working. Mm. At the chef school, because they had a wine class, I needed somebody from California to, And I'm thinking, drink, talk, and make money. Not a bad job. Yeah. So I was working at that uh, chef Did you school. Move over there. Uh, fly back and forth. Oh, wow. So into Monterey Airport, out of uh, Fort Worth. Got pretty good at. It. We have houses, so I was staying in one of the houses we have mm. out there. So working at a chef school, going home on the weekends, seeing the wife, kids, and uh, my wife says it's time to come home. So I, I said, "All it, right, honey, you know,
0: time to come home." Yeah,
2: so just quit. You know, <laughs> you're done there. <laughs> no matter how things are going there with your wine drinking, you know, you're yeah. done. So yeah, on on <laughs> yeah, on my way home again. Um, so then I started working for Centrally Grown.
0: Yeah, so yeah. talk about that, because I don't think a lot of people know what that is. Do, are you aware of what that is in Cambria? Yeah, in Cambria, in Cabria, yeah. i yeah. there a couple times. Because it's not there anymore, right? Is it no. Dow? Yeah, yeah Dow, yeah. Tudor, Dow okay. Beach or Dow Oceans or something. All right, okay. Well, so centrally grown, though, explain what the concept was here.
2: The concept was by um, Dave Robertson, the owner. He's a really great guy. Um, he wanted to change the way the world addressed the food and its culture, um, he had let us see movies and different uh, documentaries of how people would treat animals on ranches and um, just the amounts of protein that we eat as humans and what mm-hmm. those effects have on our bodies and mm-hmm. He really wanted to change that and he wanted some of it incorporated with foraging just because of the nutritional values of foraging and 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 I think he was really on to a good direction in the beginning yeah. he 'd hired some of the best players to work for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we worked probably for him for three years before we even opened.
0: Oh my! Oh wow! Yeah. So
2: a lot of back, a lot of back studying. I worked with um, some really great people. He'd send me off to work with different people and and understand how they were doing it. Some Mm -hmm. of these uh, philosophies that he wanted. I remember sitting on the floor in Santa Barbara, and it was a Cobb house, and he wanted to show me Cobb houses. What are Haybells? Yeah. Haybelle house. Oh yeah. And then they took mud and put on the floor and then beeswax. Mm. And then they had a pot stove with kind of crooked all the way up through the house to heat the house. Mm. And it was real hippie, sustainable at its best. And mm-hmm. they had an urn to water catch. And they could jump in the urn if there was a fire. And I remember sitting in this thing on the floor with them all and looking at all the tie-dye shirts outside. blowing, <laughs> And I started to realize, you know, this is what they were trying to make me into. They To, to yeah. try to get me to get involved in this kind of lifestyle and understand it and actually be with this family. Mm -hmm. And he would send me on those quite frequently to be with, people and try to understand you know why they do it and how they do it so we could bring it back it's more philosophical
0: than anything yeah interesting
2: yeah so that's that's how those three years and then he had me chasing food trucks which was more army predatory thing where you chase food trucks get in them steal everything they got take pictures you know and then the schematics and then build one you don't mean
0: actually break in
2: well, not actually, but, you know, <laughs> either be nice and get in there or doors left open or whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah, you were, you were on food trucks for uh, <laughs> week after week. In fact, I got to a point where I called him and said, do I still work for you? Because I never heard from him. But I he was like paying
0: your paying uh, a check.
2: Yeah, he was putting me up in hotels and i was in nice places in la chasing food trucks going to places that build food trucks and you can't walk into a place that builds food trucks because they think you're spying on somebody else's food truck okay so it's all very secretive world at least back then i don't know what they're doing now but yeah, yeah they have you sign you know different forms and we built like the food truck after that was over so it was, it was pretty cool um, experience.
0: and no, no, um, expense spared on
2: nah, no, none, none, on me to do all the research and chase them and, and eat off of them. Three years, Yeah. It just went on and on. I thought well, maybe we'll never open. This is just my <laughs> full time job, you know?
0: Right. right. Did you, was that fun for you to not have, like, it seems like it would be fun for maybe a year. And then after that, you're like, I'd like to work. Did you kind of feel that way?
2: No, because he'd pull some you know, stressful things. He'd say, I got the Coastal Commission coming today, mm-hmm. and they're going to you know, let us open this place based on your food. So they're going to have lunch today, and it better be really good because if they're not happy. So I made abalone tacos, you know, because mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. coastal, and I got them from a sustainable place. And I'm thinking, these things are $75 a taco, but I bet it will pass. <laughs> you know what I mean? But <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking, what about those four college students in slow? How are yeah, they going to afford these things? You know? <laughs> oh my God. So that's where it never connected, you know. Yeah. But I remember doing a lot of those things with him where we had to pass certain things, or he'd have groups come in and I'd have to cook for them. So or you I'd were Working. we were working yeah. yeah it was always um a sense of urgency but almost like a gentle sense of urgency <laughs> mm-hmm. and it was always um have you looked at these views yeah you know all these uh young people were, were vegans and, and none of them been through the military. None of them were old like me, so I always had to reevaluate. You know how I was, to, you know, conversating with them or what I was going to cook for them. It was it was another pressure, but pressure. Just another, I know that's as yeah, you're saying it, yeah, I'm just thinking. another another angle. I love pressure. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's cool, keeps you going. But I look back at that and I was like, you know, uh, we probably shouldn't have done some of these things we did.
0: Like what, Eric? Um, I know what these things are, and I just, I'm it was, goading him. We,
2: um, we had this food truck, and it was so unsustainable. Um, i got to get my phone to – can you turn that
0: yeah that sure.
2: thing off for me? Mm-hmm. I can't even see it. Um, it's so small. The food truck was so unsustainable and so large that when we went to different cities, they'd say, no, we won't permit that and know you can't be licensed here just the size of it it was a ups truck that had more added value oh, to it really and it was uh had a cummins engine in the front and a cummins engine in the back for the generator that could light up a whole city block and then it had all these stoves and propane and we had uh tvs and air conditioners and just Insane. way out there and so everybody basically said, we don't want you to have in our city because if you park in front of a restaurant, you'll ruin the restaurant. Mm-hmm. This thing, is, you know, eats too much fuel. It's just too big. It's not something we want to get behind. So I, I got a little bummed out because I'd spent extra more time, money on years the investment, the capital. So we went over to the men's colony. And we were kind of hanging out over there. I mean, yeah, low is low. So here we are at the Men's Colony. Now,
0: wait. Hold on a second. So when we're talking about the Men's Colony, here we are talking about a state prison just right over here in Slope County. What made you decide to go there? Why was that a decision? Well, what were you, were
2: you looking selling for? Selling food to employees there? or You know, there's a lot of people that visit people there. Honestly, yeah. it's interesting. There's a huge parking lot there. And we didn't really know. We just pulled up. And I felt like, well... You know, we'll just go over there and see how it goes because it's not a city with the big trees in front and all the yeah. officials. It's a prison. So they got walls, <laughs> they got guys with guns, but there's a parking lot. People go in and we could sell and kind of just do our thing, maybe hide in plain sight. I don't know what I was thinking at the time. I
0: just the, having the idea shows what the creativity well, of I, I, of Well, honestly,
2: I don't know how we got there, but then I started making cookies because nothing else to do while the girls are working the windows and the guys are cooking. I made some cookies, took it to some of the officials. And I was like, hey, I don't know your policies here, but I buy you some cookies. And I'm thinking they're going to say, get out of here. We don't want your cookie. But they said, bring them in. So eventually, we brought more cookies. And... um We started going there on a regular basis, and then I did a little research, and they were zoned for food trucks. And I said, oh, game's on.
0: That is crazy that they were zoned for food trucks.
2: They were zoned for food trucks. So then a couple people out there asked me to do a couple favors. You know, can you be at this spot on this night and cook for these people, like a wake or a celebration? I said, oh, we'd be happy to. We're not in a business, and I better get some income for the owner. (laughs) Right. So we show up at these spots, and the next thing I know, I said, hey, you got to give me a favor. You know, I'm doing you a favor. So it's, you know, can you do me a favor? And they said, what's that? And I said, I need you to license my truck. Mm. And they said, sure, we'll license it. So the next thing you know, boom, I got the license. And then they start asking us for a few more things. Can you bring the truck inside? And I thought, oh, no, you know, I'm.
0: Inside, like inside where?
2: They have a um, like the main area and you go around to the back and they train these guys almost like a SWAT team, but not a SWAT team to pull people out. You know?
0: Oh, yes, like in and out, handling all of that. Yeah, so they okay. have a team
2: back. They're almost in their educational part. And we bring the truck around through and... Uh park there and then we'd feed that group we didn't ask a lot of questions you know we just they would just tell us we'd like you to do this we'd like you to do that and we've always tried to just follow their policies even though you know for us it was like you know half the time we didn't understand a lot of it but we did cook for them inside i did have one of my girls say she has to go potty (laughs) <laughs> and they had to shut the place down, find a female guard, and bring her inside. I was like, no, not here, please. Oh, to, yeah. oh
0: just to use the bathroom? Yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. Yeah.
2: So we had a lot of crazy experiences back there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Wow. Didn't something happen with the top of the truck at some point?
2: Yeah, we um, had a big awning that went out. And one of the girls, she loved to hang off of the truck, off one of the bars. She was a beautiful girl. Yeah. You know, I think she worked at some really nice places that really showed her you know how captivating she was and she liked that role so she'd roll up holding on to the bar hanging out of the food truck and then push the awning out (laughs) while she's coming in to you know to start the service and then everybody roar in you know and we'd have musicians and um i think she did that prematurely and it hit one of the trees and i knew something would broke loose and we had propane tanks and all this other stuff and i'm thinking this could not go well but yeah (laughs) And my boss, you know, I almost was crying when I called him. I mean, yeah, I was so upset. I mean, it's, it's you know, an asset and I felt 100% responsible, not her, but yes. I was in charge. So I said, hey, it's all me. You know, she wants to say it's her, but it's me. I'm in charge and he he was so cool about it i was like mm. man i wish i could work for him forever yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah well why didn't you what ended up happening
2: um he moved on i think he realized that you know financially this place was you know heading in the Never wrong direction to make money yeah, yeah i think he, he got off the ship mm. he was a great guy but you know a lot of these players they bring them in and some of these philosophies are so hard to grasp it's and not hang on to them. yeah, yeah. It just it's really tough which
0: is interesting because their whole thing was sustainability I right i love the most
1: yeah. non sustainable sustainable food truck yeah. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I
0: mean, yeah, we're the philosophy. We're causing
1: more damage than we're helping. Yeah, yeah. it sounds yeah. like a politician.
0: Uh, yes. You, I think probably during that time that you were with Centrally Grown, a lot of your um, creativity with indigenous foods and foraging stuff probably was really encouraged, right? Oh,
2: definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So
0: tell me about some of the dishes that you've done from like, I remember we talked about acorns, we talked about lamb's ear. I mean. Talk- you can eat lamb's ear? Lamb's ear, the, the, the... The plant? Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, he Very made familiar me a salad. It. Yeah. You have really? To cut, yeah. yeah. You have to cut off the... Is that the one that you have to cut the... I think I did milk milk sit-
2: thistle for you. That's it, yeah. milk, That's milk thistle. Milk thistle. Milk thistle. thistle. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, we did um, – at one point, we tried to do almost like a rock star drink, have some uh-huh. things in it to heal you because you drank too much as a rock star. Right, right. So we tried to you know, almost simulate that, but with fresh milk thistle and mugwort and things. So when you drank, you're drinking things that would heal different extremities, mm-hmm. your liver and things mm-hmm. like that. So we were constantly doing that, and then we were always trying to find – different berries or different nuts right. and things like that we can incorporate and not like overtly do it where people go ah oh, this is not worth it but just little touches here yeah. just to kind of accentuate our philosophy so mm-hmm. yeah it went well um, worked with a lot of cool foragers top foragers in california came in and it, it was it was a good little you know for a chef my age want to learn some new tricks it was pretty pretty fascinating sure how'd you get tricks. into foraging um, I was in the army, and we were in a Marine Corps camp, and they didn't really like us, Army guys. Those Marines were a little tough on us for some reason. And <laughs> God bless the Marines, but um, they they basically tell you, you know, you're going to be dropped at this place, and you're going to get back on your own. And and they give you a little schooling. And some of the things would be the uh, different vines you could drink out of, or not drink out of banana trees, the different berries you could have. You know, they they kind of schooled you a little That's bit, so took you out, and then dropped you off, and you got to find your way back um so that was part of it my family roots did it for medicinal properties Mm -hmm. centrally grown brought in some of the top guys and did it and then um i think your article Mm -hmm. springboarded a lot more it was so beautiful what do you mean i was just written up in the la times recently for the whole foraging thing yeah since then i've had you know these steady blocks all the way to la times that started with you i think they're trying to keep up with you well, I think that's right. You know,
0: that's one of the coolest things about my job. One of the coolest and also one of the most difficult parts of my job is when I'm done with you for our interview, we say goodbye. Maybe we connect at some point when I'm like, hey, it published, and I, I connect with you then. But I don't get to hear about the reactions people have to these things. And so when I hear something like this, that makes me so happy because... I had the best day with you. It was one of the, I mean, obviously if I was going to pitch it to a really great journal like Life and Time, I felt it was worthwhile. Um, And it's been a long time since we saw each other. And just so, it's so fun to reconnect on that and to hear that it's gone so well.
2: Oh, it's gone wild. I mean, literally we went to ancient peaks and we did all this Indian style foraging and it was smoked. Mm -hmm. Uh, rainbow trout and some venison and some wild onion sautéed and we had more and pedestals and all these people on different oh, stations wow. and they brought their club in and we poured wine and did this huge thing mm. and then we do these foraging classes once a month so we pick mm-hmm. them up and we take them out foraging and through we... Central
0: Coast Distilling yes. Is that... okay, yeah.
2: yeah. so we do these different foraging classes and then of course we move them towards the cocktails and our spirits <laughs> towards the end and they, you know hopefully they buy a little bit of bottle sales that we, I want to go and do that I know yeah. I like
0: the idea of you basically saying okay folks we're gonna go out to such and such area right now we're gonna see what we can find and we're gonna make something with what we get right that is very cool and the
2: best part is you shouldn't pre you know pre go out there you should
0: go out there and you haven't seen it yep yeah yeah yeah. that's
2: that's the cool part about it hopefully you can do that so Yeah. yeah
0: when you drive around do you look like even in a neighborhood like this do you look around and think I can eat that. I can eat that. I can eat that.
2: <laughs> yeah, you got some uh, sour grass yes. sprouting right across the street. You got all kinds of stuff in your front yard. And yeah. I saw some agaves on the way in. I said, "Yeah, I, I'm pretty aware of you know all the little plants, but I think it's more than that. It's just life, you know. Yeah. It's really cool that you know we have this life.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is really cool that we have this life." As I speak, one of my sponsors, James Onaveros is in New York City pouring at the Wine and Spirits Top 100 Wineries event. And why? Because Native Nine Wine has been named one of the top 100 wineries in the world, along with a couple other consumed alums, Scar of the Sea, Aubon Bon Climat, and Tally Vineyards. It's incredible to think how each of these people in their wineries started at the bottom and worked their way up. For James, wine, and particularly Pinot Noir, has been a lifelong pursuit. You can learn all about James, the land he lives on and works, and his wines during a private tasting at the ranch in Santa Maria Valley. As the folks at Ranchos de Anaveros say, this is not your average tasting experience. Plan to be out there for like two to three hours and bring your boots. For more information, visit com. The Consumed podcast is sponsored by Slow Life Magazine, a semi-monthly lifestyle publication that highlights what makes San Luis Obisposo special. I write the food column for Slow Life, and we've sort of changed up the format in recent months, and I really like where it's headed. I've been featuring just one local food-related business and really drilling down to discover what makes it tick. For the April 2022 issue, I interviewed Fabin Tefera about her Ethiopian takeout restaurant Ebony Slow. Yep, you may recognize Fabian's name because she was on the first season of this podcast in 2019. If you want to know more about Ebony Slow and Ethiopian food here on the Central Coast, check out that issue of Slow Life Magazine or visit slowlifemagazine.com. I'm looking, you brought one, two, three, four, five giant bottles of booze. Can you tell me a little bit about... Well, actually, even before you get into that, tell me about how you left Allegretto and you decided to launch out and do your own distilling.
2: Yeah, that's that's I had to get the permission of the wife, as you know. Sure. So I said, Honey, what do you think about opening a distillery? And she said, That'd be fine and I don't think she understood what really was behind that, the licensing and buying right. these stills from Kentucky and the ferment tanks and you know, you're gonna have this tasting room. She thought maybe we're just gonna have a still In and the backyard made, yeah, right, yeah, make some alcohol. Simple, simple. Yeah. So I did I didn't ask her again. Once I got the approval, <laughs> I went with it. So we I sold, I don't know, three or four of our houses, you know. i needed cash because nobody would fund this deal that i wanted to be a part of (laughs) you know how that is so i i I funded it all i bought everything cash i was in mexico and the stills are arriving at the house and i've got these kids that are underage signing for the stills which is probably not against the law but your kids my kids were signing for the stills i'm in mexico um and then it started we you know we found a place and i got the uh, city behind me at tascadero mm-hmm. the fire marshal uh, city officials um the building inspector and we put this thing together in an office building
0: mm-hmm. which
2: was unheard of because they're always going to be solo so and this was attached, but we found oh,
0: they some, have to be freestanding. Yeah, so
2: if they burn down, they don't take the whole neighborhood. Oh, I see. So we found some things that we you know would work as far as encapsulating the building, and we did some creative stuff, and we finally got this thing off and running. And I remember when I was in the food truck overlooking the ocean, and I, we were making maybe some alcohol, and maybe in you know, a still mm. for fuel, though. Yeah, yeah. maybe, yeah. Yeah, maybe. And mm-hmm. all the chefs were laughing at me so hard because it, I had told them I can make better alcohol mm. than the big boys and they laugh so hard you know and it's something inside really you know irked me <laughs> so my first competition that i went to it was a rum international competition it was 300 rum distilleries from around the world mm. and i've been to a lot of competitions as a chef mm. i competed internationally and i literally would cry sometimes when i leave alone mm. that i did so bad and sometimes i'd win i mean i've been in papers they said i win everything and i'm like you must not know my track record you know? <laughs> so i looked up my name and some of these guys can compete with eight or 12 items and they're about 400 each when you want to compete so i'm looking up for little old me and 300 you know and i couldn't find me not even at the bottom i thought oh no i didn't even make i didn't even the play. list maybe those guys are right you know and then somebody called me, another distiller, and goes, Eric, Eric, I can't believe it. And I'm thinking, he's going to tell me that I'm just lousy, and I can't believe it. That I didn't, you know, at least yeah. get a bronze. He says, you won.
0: I Number said, one?
2: Yeah, best in show. Eric. Out of 300 yeah, worldwide double, distilleries. Yeah, double gold. I was in shock, so I called my wife, because she's, you know, a level head. I say, honey, can you look and see what <laughs> we placed? I think we're at the top. And sure enough, we won. But oh I still didn't gosh. believe it. You know, I was like, oh, this, and then Rum Magazine called. And they said, hey, hello, this is Rum Magazine. I just hung up because
0: I thought I was somebody goofing around. First of all, there's a Rum Magazine. <laughs> oh, for sure. I'd like to subscribe. Yeah. Yes. That you hung up, and then what?
2: They called back and said, this is Rum Magazine, and we must have a bad connection. And I go, is this really Rum Magazine? I mean, what do you want? You know, how can I help you? And they go, hey, you just won, dude. You are the man. I was like, they want to do an article on you. So... Uh, then, you know, I have to talk about cultures. And, and when you talk to the market, I read what they wrote about me in the magazine. And I thought, can you imagine somebody like, him, you know, somewhere in the Caribbean with dreads and he's having a little spliff. And he's reading about this romantic going, who is this redneck? You know, Because,
1: right? <laughs> I mean, you're teaching, you're, you're competing against... Generations old yeah. rum distilleries, yeah. hundreds of years old, if not. I mean, yeah. if, you go down, if you go down to the Caribbean, Jamaica, you know, like that's impressive. Yeah, there's all,
2: yeah. And I thought to myself, good thing it wasn't tequila, they'd have me. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: jeez. Oh, contract out for you. Yeah. I mean, that's when you need to bury a body <laughs> friend. Like, yeah. yeah. yes. <laughs> can you
0: bury yourself? No. Well, can we, wow. can I smell or taste that rum? Yeah. I, I mean, I wouldn't usually bug you for it, but gosh, if it's number I was one. Going, I was about to bug you. There we go. Okay, <laughs> thanks. So uh,
2: the Piccolo, the new hotel in Paso, oh, yeah. the rooftop bar, they're considering putting that on their drink menu tonight. Oh, really? So we're going to go and taste them on it and nice. so on and so forth. So I think it'll, I think it'll fly. I've played music there a
0: few times. That's a cool That's a cool spot. Did you bring glasses? I did, I did. Um, where are you getting your materials? Well, I mean, where are you getting your... Um, are you using
2: sugar cane? We are. We're getting them from Louisiana. Oh, really? So we have um, these big tubs uh-huh. of not cane, but cane syrups. Okay. Yep. So cane right. syrup. And it's um, you call the plantation, and it's like a different – you're taking from people. They're mm-hmm. talking slower. There's no mm-hmm. rush. You're not mm-hmm. California people. They're used to doing their things on their own time, you know. We yeah. don't run them. They run us, <laughs> you know, when you call. So yeah. they're fun. So we get our cane from them. We have a yeast strain. We work with a doctor. Uh, Dr. Heights, out of Kentucky, and he has mm-hmm. these yeast strains he believes have some noality or uh, location of the Caribbean years ago, mm. so which is really cool. So we get these old yeast strains from rum, which is really neat. Um, then we have these bourbon barrels. So we're trying to be sustainable. So those ex-bourbon barrels. We put the rum in there. And then it's less oak, a little bit of bourbon, and that sweetness, and they it'll oh. make a drink anything on the bourbon side or a drink anything on the rum side. Mm. So bartenders like that yeah, concept.
1: They're, they're the back. I'm a big bourbon fan, and there is definitely like, I can pick up those mm. that characteristic in it. Yeah,
0: so. and you can call. So you have a bourbon whiskey as well.
2: We have a bourbon. We this one mm-hmm. we claim it's as smooth as bourbon in the county.
0: I uh, I mean.
2: Is I there not, another bourbon would, in, being made in the county? Oh, there's a couple other, yeah. There's some other guys making some great whiskeys, but we oh, yes. say ours is the smoothest of okay. them all. So low congeners, meaning low tones. Ours is super smooth. It has the baking spices, it has almost like a caramel popcorn notes to it. Nice. You know, as I say these things, they pop in your head, and obviously when you drink it, you'll you'll think you yeah. see them. <laughs> no, I know, I know. But we we it's our best seller. We sell a lot of that bourbon. It's, it is your best seller. Yeah.
0: This is beautiful. I'm just not like it's. What time is it? It's one thirty-five, and I. Today's taking
1: a different turn from me. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not afraid of it at all. I'm not, I'm I rode my bike here. I'm all It's all good. No, Eric. Okay, so
0: we had somebody on last week who brought something to drink, who brought wine, and then yesterday we had people who brought cider, and then. The Ann Albert folks brought wine this morning, and then you with these. It's like
1: because you asked me to help pick the guests for the season.
0: <laughs> it's because of Matt. No. I have not had this much good booze in a long time. Yeah, to make the right
1: decisions. Yes, yeah, and I just I, I remembered you from just I, I you were great. Uh, Manuel brought me up before I think you guys opened, mm-hmm. and you were in there, and you, I just came in for a quick. Give me a little quick tasting what you had on hand and I was like man I gotta get back up here yeah
0: yeah and you're doing I know you're doing fun stuff with food as well there because you probably can't get that out of your system
2: yeah it's fun with food because we just give it on Thursday nights we just do a complimentary food like back in the day you used to go hors d'oeuvres were free and mm-hmm. they get whatever drinks Italy also. and brought the people yeah. in so yeah. Thursday it's all complimentary so we'll do mac and cheese mm-hmm. with bacon or whatever they want on top of it mm-hmm. but it's complimentary so they come in and they feel like they're getting value yep. you know in these no, times G- so I own the Broad Street Public House down the road, beer and wine, and uh,
1: we we were looking at drink discounts to get people in. I'm like, we can't do discounts. Uh like, We're not going to make make any money of it. I'm like, I can order a few pizzas and give people a slice of pizza with you, and they think it's the best thing in the world. And I'm like, that cost me... 18 cents a person instead of $2 Ooh. off a beer or a glass right. of wine, you know, and when you hear $2 off a glass, it's like, mm, but if you hear free pizza, yeah. you're there. it's a changer. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's true. It's genius.
2: It is. Yeah. Oh, I love that idea.
1: <laughs>
0: well, yeah. and in Italy with happy hours, you know, the aperitivo hour, you walk around and all these different places are trying to lure you in because they have a big, beautiful buffet spread. That's complimentary with right. the purchase of two yeah. cocktails or glasses of wine. And, Jake and I just lived off of those for a long time. And it's good eating. It's beautiful. I don't know. It's just a really good model.
2: Yeah, I think it's good because anytime you, it's reciprocity. I think the FBI might use it. It's something <laughs> you're giving, and then you feel like, oh, I was given that, so I have to give something back. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's really neat how it works. So yeah. if you start them off with some, you know, little cocktail peanuts or beer peanuts, mm-hmm. they get the salty nuts going, a little pepper, and they'll have another drink. Then you give them something to eat, and they're mm-hmm. thinking, huh, I'm going to stick around. Yeah. And they're like, well, what's I gotta, next? I got to you know. buy a
1: bottle before I leave. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes.
2: And I think it, it uh, when you're having consuming alcohol, I think food helps slow it down, and sure. all the other things it does True. do. And I think pizza is a great idea with beer. Because because now they're saying, "Wow, I have pizza and
0: beer. What else is there in <laughs> I life?" I mean, right? honestly, what else yeah. is there? Yeah. So, what are these other um, the other ones that you are making right now? I see this new one, the agave spirit.
2: So we have a grave digger, and we call it sembrad, which means so in the mm. ground, so a seed. No. It, it is like a mezcal style. Okay. S- Smoked agave spirit. So Yeah, mm. so we take local agaves and then our wood here, everybody thinks it's oak. It's really almonds. It is? Almond. In Paso, it's almonds. Huh. So local almond wood yeah. and then we mix that with pistachio and then we cook these agaves under this big fire and smoke them oh, and wow. convert them into a sugar from a starch to oh, wow. sugar by cooking them over fire. Then we ferment them, and there's different yeast strains we have to use depending on the climate because we don't have a climatized tanks. Mm-hmm. So if mm-hmm. it's cold like this, more wine yeast. If it's hot, we can use some of those Mexican strains. Um, but it's, it's gone you know, pretty good on different bars. Um, it's a little bit on the edgy side. It, it's it's um, one of our products at the price point is about mid-range, mm-hmm. so we see it going out to bars.
0: What's the edgy side mean? Like really, really pungent? Like the, the aromas? I think it has uh, um,
2: some really strong smoke flavor, some minerality, and then some of those agave notes in it. it you know, it's really well, um, lends itself with passion and lime and jalapeno and cucumber.
0: Yum. Yep. That's awesome. What about this other bottle here?
2: So this one is uh, like a Reposado style. So it's agave, spirit, single batch. Yep. Um, this one is kind of on the smoother, more mature side. So there's a little bit more time in a barrel, mm-hmm. a little bit... Um,
0: I know, as we empty our glasses yeah, and we kind of like nudge them out. <laughs> Who says it's quarter to two? Huh? <laughs> Not me. Doing a rinser? Sure, thank you. <laughs> You know, um, on the podcast, I very rarely do tastings, but Matt Cross That's what, that's, has that's, that's it what I'm out talking about. Uh, <laughs> the Matt
1: Cross season is changing everything. <laughs> All right. I, the only reason I had a podcast was before is so I could get free biz. So there's different, there's there different motivation go. behind Thank both of you. us. You.
0: Okay, so this is that reposado style. Oof.
1: Now, is there a reason you're
2: not calling it tequila? yeah it's, it'd be a no-no you that, can't yeah really it's kind of Appalachian controlled Champagne. so jalisco uh-huh. would be the only place that the tequila really yeah and we kind of have that in our backstory kind of go over where anna's family's from and all the cartels that you know uh, yeah <laughs> and it's all in there so we have a respect for them yeah absolutely and um it talks about you know why you know we respect them but why we use local agaves yeah and then we've created this oh, one It is
0: smooth wow it's pretty. I'm just smelling it. It smells so good. Yeah. Where do you do all of that when you smoke the agaves and everything? Where Where are you doing that? Like in your backyard? or? What? No,
2: we have uh, a lot of people are behind the agaves because the agaves actually put water into the ground. And I know that sounds like nonsense, but you're not watering the agaves over and over. They're real sustainable.
0: Oh, no, I know because we don't water ours yeah. ever.
2: Yeah. So you are. Instead of having other plants, you have agaves and it's less watering. Yeah. They're great for fire breaks. If you put them on a ranch, Mm -hmm. and fire comes down, they'll stop the fire. Hmm. They're great to keep the neighbor kids out. If you want to use they're pokey, yeah, (laughs) as as a fence line. So we have an experimental ranch. Some of the other people we're working with have an experimental ranch near the allegretto oh, okay. and we put 20 different varieties of agaves in there and we're finding out which ones grow the best mm-hmm. and we have a drone that takes the river temperatures and all this high tech oh, stuff wow. studying these agaves yeah. and at that ranch they have a tahome which is a pit a lava rock line and then we take the bagasse the last spent agave throw it in the pit as fire starter, and then we oh, take wow. some methyl alcohol like that then we start loading the agaves in this pit yeah. and we smoke them in there But this one here, I might be giving balls of booze of some of my friends that run kitchens so I can roast it. So this one's smoked, and then this one's roasted in those big ovens, those commercial ovens. So on the weekends, we're doing a lot of passing. Roasting. Yeah, passing the ball around and roasting in in these big ovens, these big German ovens Mm -hmm. that you can dial and put your agaves all the way down, and then we roast them. And then you get these different characteristics and these different notes and nuances from the roast side instead Mm -hmm. of the smoke side. So there's two different kind of products. Very different, yeah. And then you get the color from barrel aging? The barrel, yeah. We get independent stave barrels, and I knew that they were really good. I went back to Kentucky, and I studied with the, the guy who actually does a lot of the work for independent stave. And I knew I had good barrels because when they sent them to me, they stole them on the way. They're insured. But I, that was like, for wow. me, that was validation. Stole you stole my barrels. You must be good. <laughs> I got another set. But yeah, who stole them? Salt Lake. And you, th- look at, you look at the map of Utah. They've shoved all the distilleries up in the northern part because oh. the, you know they don't believe. Them. Utah. Yeah, yeah. alcohol yeah. in the southern part. They've let the distilleries be in the northern part, kind of like Austin is to mm-hmm. Texas. Yeah. Same with the distilling. So as soon as those barrels dropped in Salt Lake, someone picked them up. And it wasn't me, but I was validated. <laughs> yeah. I said, "Hey, they I'm, I'm getting the right kind." Yeah. yeah, I was like, "Good, you stole my barrels. I got the right ones. Some more came in." And it's not like it used to be where they burn those barrels out with hay and the good old boys. Mm-hmm. Now they directionally toast them. And yeah, put them yes. outside. Charge direction. Yeah. yeah, they they really have gone a long way. Yeah. So yeah.
1: I learned. I did the Bourbon Trail in Kentucky, and I learned way more about barrels than I ever thought I wanted to know. <laughs> it's a huge. Oh, that's <laughs> it's a cool. Huge I went Yeah, it. I went with my brother, and I I had. I wasn't a big fan. He's like, I'm going, I'm going to do the bourbon trail. I'm like, sure. Any excuse to get out of town and have a vacation and drink the whole mm-hmm. time? I'm in. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah After like the fourth one I'm like I'm pretty sure I can start my own distillery Because like, <laughs> they give you Detailed tours And it's like When you're doing the trail You're doing two or three a day And I'm like Let me take over here for you Bob This is how we do it you It's like a it religion <laughs> It's oh, like a religion Well you learn all about the limestone How that affects the water in Kentucky And uh-huh. the, you know you, uh, How it's the, America's only spirit You know You're just going through the, All this stuff I'm like I retained Way more than I thought I would For but, sure yeah. Speaking of that Can I try your bourbon? Absolutely
0: Yeah Tasting through a bunch of bourbon That's something I would really like to experience on the trail well, and i
1: never really drank bourbon before And i came back and i had like i had like five or six in my liquor cabinet but, sure. and then i was playing music for uh slow stills and every time i played they give me a bottle which was Thank dangerous because i was playing for them on a weekly basis oh, that is dangerous <laughs> matt oh.
0: so,
2: so this is you you're familiar with the kentucky this is more like tennessee bourbon more okay. corn more sweet There's more and more soft
0: Corn's on the label. Yeah, you? so this
2: is. Well, all st- bourbon has to be what fifty one percent corn. Exactly. New yeah.
0: chart trail. Yeah. 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 trail information.
1: Told you, I retained more than like. Every, really if, I, if I would have taken a bourbon class in school, <laughs> I would have remembered anything. But I went on this thing, and I'm like, I can write. me <laughs> write it out In fact, I have a journal I took on this trip, and I've got sketches of the stills, and like
0: <laughs> it was nerd alert. Yeah,
1: yeah, I, I nerded out. Oh, oh that's God. cool.
0: So what's new so how about how many different things do you offer is it these five or do you i thought you had quite a bit we do
2: we have probably 15 products and then we contract to still for other people okay I'm working on a contract right now for a gentleman he writes for sunset magazine he's oh, yeah. got like 15 i don't want to exaggerate maybe seven to eight books on citrus oh very well known um but what's this
0: person's name lance mm, okay
2: so we're We're doing a gin, a burkamot gin. So it's a sour um, orange gin for him. So that's that's one of our what we're doing. Are
0: you sharing that with me?
2: Yeah, we're gonna try this one next. I'm I'm waiting for some feedback on this one. Oh
0: well, this okay yes, and we'll be happy to do that. That's
1: good. That's good bourbon.
0: Yeah, the bourbon whiskey. What's the the ABV on that?
2: That's eighty right there. Okay, yeah.
1: Because a lot, I feel like a lot of these people are doing these (laughs) cask strength and stuff, Uh and it, it just. Mm. it's almost too much unless you let it sit for it just burns you know and I'm like well, how much alcohol do you need like, I mean more alcohol doesn't necessarily make it taste better right. so I don't know if it's just people that I, I was fascinated by the cask strength because when you've got like 115 you know ABV coming out it's like does it make it taste better I don't think more alcohol necessarily it's like you just want to get hammered faster or what's the the thought we'll Start getting into bet. philosophical stuff. Well, you
2: like know, that. I've been in these bars and restaurants all my life, and I honestly think for humans, it's about 80 to 90. Mm. Yeah. And then the two-legged wild animals, it's beyond. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it kind of yeah. works. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a little bit more punch. You know? Yeah. I don't think that um, you do get a better flavor. Yeah. I think it's a lot more um, stout. Yeah. And I think the effects are quicker. Yeah. But I'm not thinking hey they're really good bourbon makers they do have some cast strengths but i bet they're 80 or 90 proof outsells it's, it yeah absolutely yeah,
1: yeah. that's
0: interesting well, yeah
1: I, that's funny we uh, i went to italy with um, antonio varia who has uh, Bonatavola and his I went, I went over to his family's house and they're like here this is what ev- this is what everyone drinks like all, all the all the men drink
0: drink this drink was it grappa
1: no it was uh, I'm not I think it was some sort of rum but I after I dragged it, I saw the bottle and it just has skulls and it says Pello Grosso across <laughs> the top of it danger and uh, it was like 160 it was like oh, it was wow. like 80% alcohol mm-hmm. like I I got it in my mouth and there was the evaporation was so much I almost couldn't swallow it it was like
0: Oh, and oh, just oh. Choked. And then
1: they all just head over heels, laughter. Sure. Uh-huh. So then it was just like, let's see what we can get Matt to drink.
0: Yeah, you're an American and fool. I, so I, would,
1: I was like, start to get, pick up on it. Then every once in a while, we meet a, a new guy and he'd be like, Matt, here's the, this is the mountain drink. Of it. I'm like, oh, because, okay, and Ginny's like, are you not, and he'd be like, you no. Know, and it's like egg yolk and something else. I'm like, oh, it's got to be fairly mellow. And I do it the same thing. I'm like,
0: good dying. Morning. We don't even know two guys that have actually drank that before. Oh, that's like, funny. This is beautiful. Oh, this gin, the bergamot gin.
1: Oh, the smell of it Oh is, my yeah.
0: gosh! Wow! Just that with tonic it's water. It's like orange honestly.
1: blossoms. I mean, it's, you get that—you get that that uh, springtime yeah. or, orange tree in your yard mm-hmm. smell.
0: So, how do you do that then? I, it, I mean, does, does bergamot have its own orange properties, or is there actual like essence in here?
2: There's uh, there essence. There's juice. Um, yeah. There's a couple different ways. You know, you try to uh, capture some of those bouquets of that bergamot and then you try to balance it with that juniper because that's have juniper. Yeah, yeah. Yes, right. And then you try to do some back notes, maybe some bergamot tea in the back notes yes. and then some other classical like bay leaves and white sage and things that are indigenous. Beautiful, yeah. And so you try to get that musical notes going, that balance mm-hmm. and then those notes in the background. So it's like our fourth run. Yeah. On really this good. One. So yeah, we're still moving in the direction, but so gin has to have
1: juniper. It does. Really? I didn't know that.
2: Mm-hmm. You can have one juniper, just like a pizza can just have one piece of, you know, tomato, uh-huh. but yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So fun. Thank you so much for sharing all of this. Um, I'm going to ask you what I ask everybody, which is actually Matt, take take the <laughs> wheel. the
1: final question of the day? If you if you're dying tomorrow, what? And this is your tonight's your last meal. What are you eating? What are you drinking? And who are you with? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a
2: good question, right? So for a
0: chef, for a high high I level know, right? chef yeah. with a long career,
2: I'd want to see all the people that I helped along the way. Oh, you know, all those. Mm-hmm. All those bad boys and bad girls that, you know, I I think I helped get jobs and, you know, made them solid citizens. I'd want to see them all and where they are, you know, Mm. what I was leaving behind for a legacy. And then I'd probably want to buy some time, so I'd ask for like hummingbird tongue or something. You know? <laughs> and then, and, that, and what was the third one? What, what are you drinking? drinking? What am I drinking? Everything in sight. I mean, if I'm going, it doesn't matter, right? Drink everything, drink Hardy. it all. Yeah, am
0: hearty. Oh, yeah. right. you, you do not disappoint. Thank you for coming and talking to me. Oh, my that. pleasure. Yes. Yeah. yes, it was yeah. awesome. Thanks so much for listening to the Consumed Podcast Tap Takeover with the Matt (laughs) Cross. It
1: was super fun.
0: Yeah. Thank you for introducing me to all these new, wonderful people. It was my pleasure. Okay. Time for a beer? Time for a beer. Yay! Woo! Consumed is produced by me, Jamie Lewis, and edited by Chris Lambert. To hear more stories from the eaters, drinkers, thinkers, and makers of California, to see guest photos, read their bios, maybe even get a recipe— visit letsgetconsumed.com. Thank you, and I'll see you next time.